Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Elmore. My guest today is Dr. Jamie Arnoff. Jamie is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in CBT and pain reprocessing therapy. She brings 10 years of both clinical and lived experience to her work treating children, adolescents, and young adult clients who experience anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. In her own journey of chronic pain, Jamie was diagnosed with trigeminal neuralgia and fibromyalgia, in addition to multiple other conditions that cause inflammation and related nerve pain. We're so excited to have Jamie with us as she's going to share her personal experiences, both living with chronic pain and then also treating her patients with similar chronic pain diagnoses and the success she's had of using pain reprocessing therapy. Welcome, Jamie. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. As we start, do you want to set a foundation to explain what brought your interest into treating patients with chronic pain? Sure. Yeah. So I am a licensed clinical psychologist myself. I specialize mostly in anxiety and depression with adolescents and young adults. And I also have a history of chronic pain personally for about the last 15 years. I started with low back pain that had related nerve pain in both of my legs. And that developed to nerve pain pretty much from head to toe. As you mentioned, I have trigeminal neuralgia. I have type 2 TN. So that basically means that like the right side of my lower face just hurts most of the day every day. And then there's periodic nerve pain that I experience. But I did everything that I was told to do. I went to doctors and had scans and did interventions like injections and physical therapy. I had braces and I went off the beaten path and tried acupuncture and nutrition and massage therapy. I had a functional medicine doctor and it wasn't until a few years ago that someone suggested including therapy into the treatment plan. And even as a psychologist myself, I was like, I didn't think about that. (laughs) That's a really good idea. (laughs) So I started to read about pain science and therapeutic interventions for chronic pain and stumbled upon Alan Gordon's book, The Way Out. And he is very involved in pain reprocessing therapy. And so once I started, I couldn't stop. And I just started consuming those books and resources and podcasts. I got certified in pain reprocessing therapy myself and thought it was a natural progression as both a person in pain and a provider of anxiety and depression, which a lot of my clients manifest their emotional symptoms physically as well, that it just made sense to open up my specialty to include clients with chronic pain. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with some serious pain there. I mean, those diagnoses are not minor in any way. Right. So I think that's very admirable and brave of you to include that in your treatment work when you very easily could have gone the opposite direction, you know, and just been like, hey, I'm dealing with a lot and and I'm just going to work on myself right now. But you were able to bring your clients along with 
Yes. Uh, it maybe not some... exactly in the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It took some time. I don't want to be a person who's working with clients with pain to be like, yeah, I like read this book and just yesterday I figured yes. it out. And now I'm treating people with pain and everything's amazing. You know, my face hurts right yeah. now. I um, know. Yeah. Like it's not something that you know, we talk about it in session. I think it helps me relate to clients that are in pain. I think mm-hmm. they might be more willing to be more open um, a little bit earlier in the therapeutic relationship about it because they see that I'm kind of fidgeting around in my chair. We have all sorts of contraptions and stretching devices and things that are in the refrigerator and can be microwaved within reach of my office that clients know that either I'm going to be using or they have access to. And so I think it helps to do that, but it certainly took me some time to get there. And I just feel like I'm now at a place in my pain journey to start working with clients to kind of help them move along in their journey as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it does help the sense of camaraderie that they don't have to explain on top of already being in pain and being in therapy for pain. They don't have to explain to you what it's like. You understand innately. I'm sorry that you do. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but it is is nice that you're able to connect with them that way. And yes, I didn't mean to sound like you just casually opened <laughs> up your office. Of course, this is after spending a lot of time, I'm sure, managing your own pain and really researching everything. But it is a unique and I think interesting specialty in our field of chronic pain because psychology, sometimes it's hard to quantify, but pain is very quantifiable, or at least more mm-hmm. so than a lot of the other topics that we talk about. And so it must be really interesting to be able to help people and see the results quickly or have them feel, I should say, the results quickly sure. of pain reduction. Because, you know, with people with chronic pain, even just a little bit of pain relief goes a really long way. It's not like you need to be cured. You just need some relief sometimes. So yes, it's 100% a part of that. Just a pause from that pain. Yeah, just um, a break. Exactly. Just a break. Yeah to your point, to break it up. So it's not just one long chronic, when will this end journey? Yes. It's like, okay, here it is. I know what this is. I'm going to try a couple of things to see if I can manage it or sit with it. And we'll talk about how PRT helps with that a little bit soon, but giving just an inhale that feels secure and safe or even just neutral, honestly. We're just grateful for a neutral feeling. It doesn't have to be amazing and warm and sunshine and rainbows. We're just, we're happy with just like an inhale of, oh, that's a, that's, that feels all right. (laughs) Yeah. It feels a little bit better. Yeah. It's a long way. Yeah. Well, to your point, PRT as pain reprocessing therapy for those listening who may not be very familiar with that. Can you explain what it is and how that relates to therapy? Yes. So it's a therapeutic intervention that helps clients conceptualize their pain as a false alarm. So rather than the understanding, the assumption, or for some clients, the certainty that their physical sensations that are painful are caused by some structural damage in the body, it's redirecting that understanding and building that insight that it's in fact contributed or related to these neural pathways that have developed And whether that was a result of an actual injury, because sometimes it is acute tissue damage that then has these related neural pain pathways that could be the origin of what's been going on and has lasted for so long, but typically injuries physically heal. And then there's an assumption that when they do, that the brain signals are going to heal as well, but the brain doesn't so quickly forget. 
those neural pathways do not disappear. And so signals that are being communicated from the body to the brain that are neutral or safe in nature are still being understood as danger signals and setting off this alarm that's amplifying these once existing neural pathways that cause these sensations that feel really painful. And it's absolutely a real and valid pain, but it's promoting this understanding that by creating new neural pathways that promote this feeling of openness and curiosity and safety within the body, those pain neural pathways will slowly start to fade and you'll be more easily able to redirect your attention to these more safe, secure, and neutral feelings. Yeah, well explained. And I think there may be some people listening here thinking like, oh, this is just like proof that it's all in my head though. Like I don't want to go to therapy and be told, like confirmed, like, oh, this isn't real. It's all in my head. And to that, right. I, mean, t- I want to know what your response is. But my thought is like, yes. And like, does that mean it's not real, that it's a neurological 100%. pathway, right? Which is why I say even in my description of pain reprocessing therapy, like it is 100% real. Your pain is 100% valid. I have all people understand that even if the signal is crossed or it's a false alarm, it's still awful Mm -hmm. when like for anybody else or someone who doesn't experience pain and we're leaning into this false alarm example, like when the fire alarm goes off in your house and there's no fire, it's still a really uncomfortable experience. Yeah. It's not like a phantom alarm. It still went (laughs) off. It feels awful. It wakes you up. It's shrieking and piercing. People cover their ears. They feel uncomfortable. They want to turn it off. And so that experience is still very real. And there's some empowerment in a way that there is some brain involvement with this pain because then we might be able to empower our clients to use what we know about the brain to regenerate those more secure and safe neural pathways. And so that alarm will go off as easily. And and when it does, clients will feel prepared and know that just because that feeling is there doesn't mean that they have to be afraid or that it's automatically associated with some injury or that it will last forever. And that, that can be really empowering. Yeah. Or even if it is like, let's say it is triggered by a physical old injury. You can still, I imagine, you know, shift the degree of pain by using Mm -hmm. this approach too. So I like how you explained it as a a piece of one of the many providers that are involved with chronic pain, right? It's not maybe the end all be all, but for some people, maybe it is, but for most people, it's probably going to be a component of what they're already doing and why not explore it from this angle? Like you were mentioning earlier. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So interesting. So what are some of the themes that you see with clients that come into your office? I guess, what are some of the most common challenges that you usually see from people? Sure. They are often pretty frustrated. Chronic pain by definition means that they've been experiencing pain for quite a long time. And that is very unpleasant and very difficult and causes, you know, not just physical distress, but emotional distress and has far reaching impacts to a person's entire body, which is why PRT, but also CBT for pain management and therapy is really all about understanding like the biological, the psychological, and the sociological, like biopsychosocial conceptualization of pain. So they're 
feeling hopeless that they're still in pain. They're feeling frustrated that maybe they've tried a variety of different tools, techniques, seen countless providers. You know, we have orthopedic surgeons, pain management providers, rheumatologists, neurologists, theologists of of many <laughs> mm-hmm. all on our roster. It's frustrating just to try and figure out how to get to all of those doctor's appointments and still, you know, work and eat and have fun. And so, the finances involved, I would imagine, oh, with all of that. Yes. The financial resources, the time resources, the emotional resources yeah. that are all wrapped up in that. And so they're feeling hopeless about that, frustrated about that, overwhelmed by all of that. There's also the stigma, mm-hmm. like a little bit of shame about seeing a therapist for chronic pain. Like, to your point, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel like if they do that, they're buying into this idea that it is all in their head. Mm -hmm. And that can be something difficult to grapple with, which might prolong the idea of finding a pain psychologist or making an appointment with a pain psychologist. And then once clients are in the room with me and we're doing things like somatic tracking or experiencing those physical sensations and exploring them you know, with me and then later on their own through this lens of openness and curiosity, trying to lean away from the fear that's related to these experiences and more into the idea that it's just a physical feeling that the body is communicating to the brain and that they're okay and they're going to be okay is this general distrust of the body. Mm -hmm. When someone's experiencing chronic pain, we don't have any faith that leaning into any physical sensation is going to be a pleasant experience. and right. Or a true one, because to your point, if the alarm continues to go off for so many years and it may or may not need to go off, it's so hard to probably learn to retrust your body. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a, a big part of my work with clients, not necessarily a component of PRT, but just the idea that you need to build that foundation, that trust again with the body, because for a long time, you know, any attention to any part of your body is just mixed up with fear and pain and all those other feelings I was talking about, hopelessness, frustration, overwhelm, stress. And then that just cycles into itself with the way that emotions impact pain and then the way pain impacts emotions. And so yeah, quite, quite a cycle. I don't mean to sound glib, but it almost sounds to me like you're doing couples therapy, like with somebody and their body, because they have to, they have so many years of all the hurt and the trauma and the pain. And it's like, it's a lot to process on top of their own pain, you know? Yes. That is so interesting. I've never thought of it like that. I have a private practice that I share with my best friend, BFF Therapy. She is a marriage and family therapist. She does couples therapy and we will have a laugh about that later (laughs) because I always say that I could never do what she does. Oh, how funny. I'd like be a couples therapist, but I do see what you're saying. And we do Sometimes she doesn't specialize in chronic pain, but sometimes we end up on the same page when we're doing like a case conceptualization or just like talking about what we're doing in therapy because we are doing such different things and we do find ourselves on the same page, even though we think about therapy and we do the work from such different backgrounds and just like the dynamic of what therapy looks like, how many people are in the room and what we're working with. So maybe it 
Maybe I'm a couple's <laughs> therapist after all. <laughs> well, I feel like in a typically functioning body, you don't have to think about it, right? If something's working, you take it for granted. You don't think about it. But in a yes. chronically ill person or a person with chronic pain, mm-hmm. it's another person in their own head and or in their actual relationship. So yeah, that's interesting. Makes a lot of sense. Yes. So it's a very complex thing that you're dealing with. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine if somebody didn't already have anxiety or depression that they would eventually from having chronic pain. Would you agree? Disagree? Do you find that to be true? It's very common that a person who is coming in with chronic pain is also, you know, experiencing some emotional distress, whether it's anxiety, depression, or both. Yeah, I don't know whether that have some of that. Absolutely, and that's part of you know treating the chronic pain is really getting to some of the deeper emotions around it with PRT and the assessment of whether or not it might be helpful to use PRT in treatment. There is an understanding of an individual's emotional functioning, even from childhood up until the point that we meet a client. And a lot of times things like being a perfectionist or having anxiety or being extra conscientious, those are things that might be pre-existing conditions that might more likely lead to um, Mm -hmm. a person who's now experiencing chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So again, it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, or they're just, they're all here. So let's just work with both. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) They're both relevant. Exactly. (laughs) Well, let's say somebody becomes your client. What are some of the first steps that you take them through to help reprocess their pain? Sure. Well, I will do an assessment, just Mm -hmm. like a typical intake, but as someone with a certification in pain reprocessing therapy, I'm going to be thinking more along the lines of the story of their pain. How did it start? Was there an injury? Do they have a physical diagnosis? What do their sensations feel like? Where are they? Are they always in the same place? Are they always caused by the exact same movement or lifestyle choices? Or do they move around a little bit? Mm-hmm. Are they a little inconsistent? Some people will report symmetrical pain. That's not typical of pain from a single injury. Does it change? Is it something that might not have a direct contribution in terms of like the cause of the pain will that differ will that vary there's a variety of different like assessment questions and that's to build insight for me but also to help the client build insight into their own experience of pain just because they're experiencing it for a prolonged period of time doesn't necessarily mean that they're thinking about it in this way this might be the first time that someone is really guiding them through the thought process of like really attending to their pain, which mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense because while it's hard to think of anything else other than our pain when we're in it, also we want to think about literally anything else yeah. <laughs> when we're experiencing it. So this might be the first time that they're even being thoughtful about these questions. And so that's going to help build insight for them, which is you know kind of the goal of my work is helping individuals better understand how the brain and body are connected and how that then impacts how we experience those physical sensations. And then I would say really leaning into mindfulness-based activities, especially for individuals who are getting these danger signals from everyday neutral activities or even Mm -hmm. activities when they're completely safe and drawing their attention to things like breathing in and out or what it's like to feel the sun shining on their face or cold water on their hands, like really 
leaning into the sensations of the body that are unrelated to their typical pain. And even though it might be scary to pay attention to any part of the body, gaining that experience is going to start allowing them to practice communicating messages of neutrality or safety to the brain from the body. And hopefully that's going to help them build these new, safer neural pathways that are going to help those old ones fade and and hopefully replace them in general. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig-time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com bht. And then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. Yeah, it sounds a lot like I'm thinking of feelings as you're talking about that, like what we would typically do for someone who has a lot of like traumatized feelings or negative feelings. And mm-hmm. over time, you just dissociate essentially to some degree from those feelings. And so it's like getting back in touch with them can be very scary, but it's necessary to then feel and process and let it go. And it sounds like a very similar journey, but specifically just with pain, because of course, if your body's in pain all the time, you're going to dissociate from your body and kind of mm-hmm. ignore it and push through, mm-hmm. which sometimes we have to do. But over time for chronic pain patients, it's like they're not in touch with their body anymore. And so it sounds like you're sort of reacquainting them with how to feel their body in a safe way and guiding them when it does feel painful. Yes. Because one of the major components of PRT is somatic tracking, and that Mm. is directly attending to the pain sensations Mm -hmm. and doing so very openly and very curiously without fear, without judgment, without motive. And so to jump right into that, most clients are going to be like, no, thank no you. No, thanks. Uh, literally <laughs> here for the so opposite. Weird. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to you for the opposite. Thank right. you. Goodbye. <laughs> so the idea of starting with these more neutral mindfulness-based activities is going to kind of lead them into this experience of somatic tracking because they'll have already had the experience, potentially this new experience of tending to sensations in their body that are safe or yeah. don't communicate danger to their brain. So yeah, leaning into that open curiosity, that exploration, and even kind of like welcoming it. Like, okay, come on. You can make me feel things. I know that you're not attached to anything that needs to communicate fear to me. Like I'm not in danger. I'm okay. I can feel things like I feel right now my body in this chair. And so that's a neutral sensation. I can sit with that and be comfortable versus someone who's 
pain signals are amplified and extra sensitive because yeah. of these existing neural pathways that might press just against the part of my back that used to ache all of the time and be like, I hope I didn't like lean on it too hard in the yeah. wrong way that does that hurt? Like, is that a weird feeling? Is that going to spread? Is this going to cause like pain for the rest of the day? You know, it's so quickly and so easily a train of thought that leads to this overwhelming stress that that only further amplifies the pain. Yeah. So if somebody's like, well, Jamie, why would I want to do all this hard work to feel pain when I've worked so hard for decades to not feel my pain? Would you say that just doing this process helps reduce their overall level of pain because you're giving different signals again to the brain? Yes. Okay. It's like exposure therapy for anxiety. Okay. Which is why I think, which, you know, it can feel unpleasant to the person who's anxious yeah, you know, in the moment. Right, yeah. absolutely. The idea of it, I'm sure, sounds scary. And again, just having the experience of sitting with these sensations and starting to think about them less as pain signals and more as just like physical sensations that my body is naturally communicating to me that developed over time um, because of these reasons that will uncover, but now I have this ability to also pay attention to parts of my body that feel good and mm -hmm. feel safe. And you're telling me that I can take that and like overlap it with the parts of my body that don't feel good and don't mm -hmm. feel safe in a way that's, again, therapist-led, mediated by me. If we're going to have discussions about it beforehand, I'm going to make it clear to the client what's going to happen. They don't have to remain in a situation, if mm -hmm. they feel uncomfortable, there's an out letting them know that, you know, it's their show. Right. And that we have time to work through this and that it will take time to work mm -hmm. through this because those neural pathways that communicate danger signals took time to develop. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, giving them that permission also to like take their time and stumble a little bit so that they don't expect by just doing this once with me, they'll automatically have this like new lot on life and pain. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time and that's completely normal and expected. So they're not yes. going to feel like a failure if it doesn't work right away. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing parallels to all these different types of therapy too, where it's almost like narrative therapy where at the end of the work, they have a different narrative. Cause it's like very overwhelming to think like, oh, I'm just in pain all the time. But if they have a story of, okay, I was in a car accident when I was X years old and then this happened and then I didn't really get PT. And so then this happened and then that happened. And then here I am 10 years later and here's my story. Mm -hmm. That's very different than just feeling at the whim of this pain. And then also, you know, we do have research that shows like if I come to you and I'm just emotional, if you just help me identify what I'm feeling, I automatically feel better just by naming it. And I imagine mm -hmm. there's not a lot of therapists who or people who aren't aware of pain, right? And who they just sort of say, oh, your back hurts. I'm so sorry. But it's like, well, is it a stabbing or is it a burning? Is it an aching or is it like a sharp pain? You know, it's like being able to just name it, mm -hmm. I imagine helps people feel a little better as well. Not that yes. the pain's of the way, but at least psychologically, it helps to be able to articulate what's going on. Absolutely. And that's a big part of somatic tracking is having the client explain exactly what it is they're feeling. Because very often with clients that do come in for PRT and have you know this particular type of neuroplastic pain that's not structural in nature, as they start to describe, they'll say, oh, it does feel like, like sharp stabbing on this 
upper part of my shoulder. And as we like sit with it and explore it openly and we're using metaphors and humor and noticing if it's changing or moving and we're following it because there's nothing to be afraid of, right? It's just a physical sensation that you're experiencing in your body. So like follow it. That's okay. I'm with you here. Like what's it feel like now? And the, the idea that it's moving at all is kind of building this buy-in that it is neuroplastic and not due right. to a structural origin and then it's oh it's it's throbbing now or it's throbbing a little bit less and attributing you know different thinking to it when I was in the PRT certification was experiencing a little bit of hip pain because I was sitting in a chair for a really long period of time just like watching this training and interacting with people we were paired up another practitioner and they had me put some sort of imagery to it. And I was like, it feels, you know, like there's compression and it's throbbing a little bit. So they asked me to assign a color to it. So blue is my favorite color. I said blue. And then they were like, like Smurf blue. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, Smurf blue. And they were like, so like the Smurf is kind of like dancing. Oh, that's throbbing. cute. And I was like, Yes, we'll forever think about it like that. No, you so, always will be like, my Smurf is back. Exactly. So doing things like that with clients and and finding the lightness and the humor in the metaphors and the imagery, I think really, again, promote this leaning into positive sensations when previously it was simply a danger signal, a, fa a false alarm that was contributing to pain. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like it might be a breath of fresh air for some people to have a therapist who can help them find the lightheartedness in it because the reality of chronic pain is it's there. Like it's not really going, I mean, in rare occasions, yes, it goes away, which is wonderful. But most mm -hmm. of the time it's just going to be part of someone's life for a while. So it's almost more like acceptance and commitment therapy a little bit too, mm -hmm. where you're helping them just coexist with this pain and not be so afraid of it, which is really, really empowering. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I imagine people leave your office with all kinds of caricatures and <laughs> little images of their pain, which is so Hopefully. cute. <laughs> yeah. Not to belittle it. I know. It's yeah. serious, but, oh, no, uh, I think that's not, I mean, I say that sometimes this is not to like make light of this very serious topic. And right. also I think being, you know, silly in therapy, even from like the first time I meet a new client, I'm going to try and, you know, be a little bit funny or crack a joke or just be myself and stumble around if I need to be open that I don't always have all of the answers that yeah. I think that I am funny myself. And because I think it gives them permission to do the same, to mm -hmm. like also make a joke. And for a lot of people, that is a coping skill is to kind of like lean into the lightheartedness. So it makes talking about the tough stuff, as I call it, a little bit easier. And so clients don't feel like they have to be, you know, buttoned up and super serious and have all right. the answers all the time. They and isn't can... there research that shows that humor does actually relieve pain to some degree? Yes. Right. Right. So in a way it's a treatment, even though it's, it's fun and, and helpful. It's still also like actually an intervention to use absolutely, some humor. Absolutely. Absolutely. I try and take all of the scripts that, you know, people will typically recommend for somatic tracking with clients with chronic pain and kind of add my own funny spin to it. I think also having worked with children and adolescents for most of my career, still working with adolescents and young adults, but honestly, my young adults enjoy laughing in therapy just as much as my, my little kids of when course. I was seeing them, you know, my kiddos did. So I think it's, it's a universal skill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they say laughter is good medicine and it mm -hmm. really is. Yeah, for sure.
What are some success stories that you have, if you're willing to share? What is somebody who's gone through therapy with you or the program? What do they feel at the end? What are some of the signs of progress that you see? Sure. I think it's just an understanding, like feeling like they have a better understanding of those physical sensations in their body, even referring to them as physical sensations versus Mm -hmm. pain. That transition Mm -hmm. is really helpful and something that people report being helpful in terms of the way that we talk about what they're experiencing, experiencing, understanding the mind-body connection, just feeling more prepared Mm -hmm. because there's an acceptance and a recognition that this pain might not be completely eliminated, will likely come back and that it will be something that they experience at some point again in their lifetime and that when it does, they don't have to be afraid of it. They can embrace it and follow it and explore it. And it doesn't have to be a danger signal that sets off alarms around their whole body. It's something that they can live with. And that is empowering in a sense as well. Yeah. The more we're talking, the more I'm I'm like, my mind is pulling from all these different types of therapy work. Like now I'm thinking of grief work Mm -hmm. and how there really is grief around acknowledging a chronic pain diagnosis. Uh, And instead of like being pushing up against it and being so angry, like, well, I'm sure that's part of the process too. Like, why, why is this really, it sounds like at the end of the work, it's this acceptance of, okay, this isn't fair, but this is my life. And how am I going to make the most of it? And how can I have a good quality of life and a life that's meaningful Mm-hmm. while embracing this this thing that I didn't want to be part of it. So it sounds like there's grief work in there. There's ACT, there's CBT. There, it's yes. Like pain really touches on so much. Yes. Which I think it's, for me as a provider, makes so much sense that it would therapy would be a great intervention for chronic pain. Yes. Because everything that we learn about from day one in grad school and all of our externship and internship experiences funnel into this work. And so even though I haven't been doing PRT for a decade, the decade of work that I'd done up until this point fits so seamlessly into that modality that it feels like an easy transition. Absolutely. Yeah. Because how can chronic pain not touch every area of your life? So Mm -hmm. I wish there was more awareness about this. Maybe there is more than I'm aware of, but I wish that there's a lot more referrals to therapy from medical sources because working on it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. How could we in our field advocate for that? Do you have any thoughts about how we could help this population of people have better access or better Um, awareness that therapy is a solution? Yeah. I think just talking about it, like the idea that you were enthusiastic and welcoming about having someone talk about pain psychology on this podcast. I talked to all of my providers, physical therapists and chiropractors, even pediatricians and primary care providers, just about the idea of neuroplastic pain and whether or not it's something they know about or would consider mentioning to their clients, even if I'm not saying that they should not recommend their interventions or, you know, I've had injections that were helpful. I took medication that feels great. This is not like a anti-medical professional No, no, no. Not feeling that at all from you. I think we need to be very collaborative. Mm -hmm. And so the more that I know about their approach and, and their understanding and vice versa, the more we can work together to kind of just present 
a collective front to a client so that they just are aware of what the options are. I also imagine that if more medical providers were introducing therapy as a potential intervention Mm -hmm. for pain, there would be less of a stigma. And I don't think that they're saying it's not. I just don't know that it's coming up as an option. option. And so right. they're, they're just not aware of it. As I mentioned before, you know, I'm, I am a clinical psychologist and I loved all of my neuropsychology, neuroanatomy. Like those were some of my favorite grad school classes. And I didn't learn anything about this. Mm-hmm. I explored it only after I was like, what can I do to feel better? And like yeah. this book came up and I was like, oh, I'll okay. try anything. Right. Yeah. And then I started reading and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And then I just kept reading and learning and realized this is a whole field. Like pain psychology yeah. is a community of providers that are working to meet these clients where they're at and help them to feel a yeah. bit better. Since you have expanded your specialty to include chronic pain, have mm-hmm. you found a new influx of clients? Like I'm specifically thinking of our early career therapists who listen to the podcast and maybe this is something that they'd be interested in specializing in. Do you feel like there's a need or are people not quite aware enough that it's not moving in that direction just yet? It's a good question. I think there's some work to be done uh, in terms of awareness. I think it comes in like spurts. So I posted about being certified and all of the providers in my area started referring any client that said, I experienced any kind of pain or even active clients that they were seeing, they were like, you know what, mm-hmm. this is, we've had a good run. And I just learned of this provider in the area that mm-hmm. is certified in pain reprocessing therapy and is really making this one of her specialties. Would you be open to meeting her? Mm-hmm. And so I think just in my local community, I live in, you know, Dutchess County, New York, Hudson Valley area. We have like a therapists in private practice in our area facebook group and it's just anytime anybody makes you're, you're like, the girl <laughs> in search of they're just like tagging my name yeah which is so amazing and so i think in our my little pond it's pretty well known that this is something that i'm doing yeah. and i'm occasionally getting calls and emails from people who maybe saw me on the pain reprocessing website as a certified provider are starting to see and hear these podcasts and these talks that I'm a part of, you know, just finding my way into organizations and programs that are working with clients in pain. Yeah. So that they well, it sounds like it is a need, if, you know, if yeah. you're the, the person, it sounds like a lot of people don't know a lot of people that do it, which means there's a need. So mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm reflecting too, like I, I maybe know one person that does that, but not even that well. It was just through a networking event. So mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure there is more of a niche to be explored here. So just a little plug for our early career <laughs> therapist. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can go to the pain reprocessing center website. They offer a one hour training that's free for anyone mm-hmm. that's interested in just seeing what it's about. Yeah. You get a C just for that. I know, you know, for early career psychologist, but psychologist in general, any CE opportunity is something that we look for. Um, Especially free ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's That's a helpful. one hour CE and then they have like a full month's intensive where you get, you can get 12 CEs for like the live experience. Mm-hmm. And that can also be found through the pain reprocessing center website. And on okay. that website, there's like a directory of providers that are certified by state. That's helpful. 
absolutely. You can look up, you know, who's around. Okay, great. Well, do you have any final words of encouragement for our listeners who could be struggling with pain? Anything you want to leave them with? I mean, I just want to validate that their pain is real and that it's very difficult to live in pain and that just by living with it, they're doing a great job already. And that in terms of the stigma and the shame that might be associated with coming to therapy for chronic pain, there's a really amazing pain psychologist, Dr. Rachel Zoffness. She has some workbooks that I use even in my work. I'm very mindfulness CBT based. And in her work with her teens, she uses the metaphor. We go to the gym to work out our bodies, but it's not because our bodies are broken. So mm-hmm. we can go to therapy to work out our brains, but it doesn't mean that our brains are broken. Just because mm-hmm. there's there is something going on in our brains doesn't mean that it's all in our heads and a bad thing or there's something wrong or that we're broken in some way and need to be fixed. It's just us deciding to strengthen those muscles to create those new neural pathways and to better understand, you know, what makes our bodies work best for us. Absolutely. Um, so to think about it in that way, hopefully it feels a little bit easier to look for a provider or reach out and make that first phone call. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And it's it's literally our brains that are processing pain anywhere anyway. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, it's it's okay if it's in your brain. That's where it's supposed to be. You just want to yeah. make sure the pain signals are acting appropriately. So that's that's a really good word for people. Well, where can we learn more about pain reprocessing therapy or BFF therapy in general? So you can go to the website at painreprocessingtherapy.com. The Pain Psychology Center in California is where they're kind of working out of. Okay. And so you can check out their websites. Both their, their Instagrams are posting things every single day, including like research articles and prominent psychologists and other providers that are in the field. For me, same thing. You can check out our website at bfftherapy.com. Okay. That. Provides opportunities not necessarily to see me as a provider. I'm currently full and not accepting. Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) But I do offer consultation for individuals and providers who might be working with a client who is presenting with pain and wants some help in learning how to kind of navigate that with their clients. I also have a pain series blog on that website in terms of how to talk to people about it, how to assert boundaries, how to find providers in the field, just a whole exploration series on what it's like to just live with chronic pain effectively. And then we have an Instagram at BFF Therapy where we post tips, tricks, thoughts of the day, uh, what's going on. And that has access to on our link tree there. You can check out all of my live trainings Mm -hmm. on working with clients with chronic pain, also working with children and adolescents, working with clients in the deaf community. I have some live training coming up in January with Flowly, the virtual reality biofeedback app. I'm doing a seminar with them in January and then some live trainings with Hudson Valley Professional Development in February. What do you not do? You're definitely <laughs> keeping busy. <laughs> yes, a little bit of everything. I love it. Yeah, thank you for sharing all those resources. We'll definitely have those in the show notes for people. So if they're right. interested, they can they can look around and explore further. Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and sitting. I know it's probably painful for you to sit this long. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to do that. And yeah, it's just been a really interesting conversation and I'm sure a lot of people benefit from it. So we're so glad to have had you here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. 
Well, I want to remind our listeners too that this episode, all of its resources and our other shows can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. Visit triadhq.com slash BHT today and explore our archive. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in on the conversation. We appreciate you being here with us and look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.